Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am glad to be able to look out and see one of my fellow elders that I serve with, Brother Dave Domain, back in the back. If I fall, he'll come and pick me up. <laughs> you know, the shepherd's hook, talking about leadership, the shepherd's hook is not an instrument for punishment. It is an instrument that elders use to keep the flock from straying. And when I look at the book of James, the book of James is what I call the shepherd's hook gospel. Because in this, there's good news for Christians. Shepherds do have a hook. And they can keep us from making fools of ourselves. The great book of James is a book that shows Christians living practical lives, making practical mistakes. Some of them are praying. <coughs> some of them don't know what to say. Some of them don't practice their faith like they're supposed to. Some folks just can't help themselves but think that they can have materialism and go to heaven. And James tells elders, boy, you got a job on your hands. And so from a leadership perspective, I want to present James looking at it from the standpoint of practical living as elders look to try to resolve conflict, not only from among themselves, but also from among the flock. I think James is a very, very good book to help us who are leaders and just Christians in general to see how we can resolve conflict. And so I want to talk about the fact that conflict is to maintain war, to keep a feud going and it's something that goes on in the book of James and so I want to talk about the sources of conflict in this particular uh, scenario here uncontrolled storms chapter 1 the forgetful hearer the uncontrolled of society because of favoritism factiousness because of uncontrolled speech and uncontrolled of self because of feuding both within and without. These are just some of the sources of conflict. But when we really talk about this, there's conflict in every chapter. And when we talk about every chapter where there's conflict, these Christians were scattered abroad in all the regions. I want you to see that one of the things about this conflict is it's kind of style as hypocrisy. Because Christians, we often say, ought to do what? Ought to know what? We ought to know better. But yet, we're doing these things. And so, uh, I believe like Brother Ramsey, John Ramsey used to say, you know, James is all about hypocrisy. Every chapter, hypocrisy. It's, for example, it's hypocrisy to claim to serve God except when trials come our way. You know, when things are going great, boy, it's, 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 this is good. I, you know, but let a little trouble come our way. And we want to run out. It's hypocrisy to claim to depend upon God and you refuse wisdom. The wisdom that will allow us to get out of our troubles is the same thing that will help us to see we've got to apply it. It's sitting there looking at you and what are you doing? <laughs> I'm going the other way. That's hypocrisy. That's conflict generated by you. And your elders have to say, look, this is what the Bible says. And we're looking like, well, it may say that, but 
I got another agenda. Or here you see in, in verses 12 through 16, the claim to depend upon God while denying him because of, this is all introduction, because of pleasures. So you can see we live in a world where people are trying to, as we said yesterday, uh, and for a little review for those who were not here yesterday, we talked about the laws that would help us to have peace in our lives. We talked about the law of pardon that introduces us into the Lord's church. God says, I love you. You remember that? And I can deliver you from your conflicts. And then we talked about the law of placement. God says, you belong. And because you belong, I place you here, all of you, and there's, and within that law of placement, there's adversity that helps us to be strong. In that law of purpose also, he says, you are important. Every member that I place in the body of Christ is important. None of us are less than or unimportant. We're all important, and therefore we have to depend upon one another. Why? Because conflicts are going to come. The problem in James is, we don't depend upon one another because of that. We have conflict. This is an <coughs> overview and introduction. I'm going to get to my main point sooner or later. <laughs> and then there's a law of peace that says, as a Christian, we ought to have joy. Why? Because we're satisfied to be directed by the word of God and not by our own selves. This is not Burger King. You can't have it your way. For us, it's KFC, Kingdom First. And I'm not talking about chicken. Kingdom First Christian. That's what we need to be about. And when we understand that, we can be satisfied with letting the word of God direct us. That's the law of peace. The book of James and the Christians in James have violated the law of placement, the law of purpose, and the law of peace, and they will violate the law of perseverance that says we can be strong because we're mature. Were they strong with their mouths? Were they strong with their materialism? Were they strong when it came to trials and troubles? That's what made them, from the standpoint of a shepherd looking at it, this is hypocrisy. It's got to be addressed. The shepherd hooks needs to be used in this case. Chapter 1, see? So, in chapter 2, the claim to be a Christian, but does not show proper respect to persons. You know, that's, it speaks for itself. A lot has been said on that, so I'm going to keep on going. To claim to be a Christian, but does not present a proper concept of faith. The key to the book is faith without works is dead. This is why we're here. We have a purpose. The law of purpose says you have to have your faith that will motivate you to go and do that which will generate good works to the glory of God. And instead of doing that, they're fussing, they're fighting, they're arguing, they're doing all sorts of things, you know. And it's, it's such that they can't persevere against the devil because they're so busy fighting each other. They're so busy having internal conflicts with each other. And so they don't have a proper concept of faith. You know anybody like, don't raise your hand, but there are people like this in the Lord's church. Oh, I'm a Christian, but they're a static display. They have no purpose. 
and without a purpose. The main purpose to glorify God. But there are other purposes also. I know some Christians, their purpose is to make sure the building is okay, to make sure that sister so-and-so is taken care of. That's their purpose. They're doing something. They're not out completely. I ain't got nothing to do, so because they ain't got nothing to do, I'm going to just tell the elders, you need to get your act together because we ain't going to. You know, that sort of stuff. Where does conflicts come? People who don't have a purpose. Look at chapter 3. It continues. Failure to control your desire to say what you shouldn't say. What right that mouth? Criticizing the preacher. Man, I wish you could just chalk your sermons up, Brother Neil. You know better than that, man. Don't you know we got my roses in the oven? I've got things to do. You don't have to be eternal to be immortal, that sort of stuff. To use the tongue to glorify God and then turn around and curse man. These are problems. Elders look at this. Elders have to, with grace, patience, and prayer, reach out to a flock that's been dispersed because of trials and help them to get it together. Conflict resolution is needed. To claim to be wise, but yet you're acting like a fool. To claim to know something, but then when the proof comes down, you don't really know anything. Conflict in chapter four. I'm almost done. Embracing our sinful desires rather than submitting to God. We give in to our pleasures. Attempting to be a friend of God and a friend of the world at the same time. That's hypocrisy. And he's talking to Christians here. I'm not talking about the guy down the street who's a rebel rouse and an old bag of wind. I'm talking about our, my brothers and sisters in Christ. <coughs> and you don't think elders have a job to do? Speaking evil of your brother while attempting to be a doer of the law. Oh, man. You know, we, we just... As the kids say, this is off the chain. To boastfully goal plan without including the Lord. Mm. Folks say, well, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. But do you not know God says, maybe you won't? And so it's hypocrisy. To know to do good and refuse to perform it, which is a very good, uh, very key to the book. In fact, that is, in addition to faith and works, to know to do good and to not do it. <coughs> James says it's a sin. And so we have knowledgeable brothers and sisters in Christ who know what to do but aren't willing to do it because of pleasure, because of, impartial, because of partiality because of favoritism, because of all sorts of problems in their relationship that started with their relationship with God. Because they are trying to have it their way rather than prioritizing it God's way. You can't have both. 
A double-minded man, James says, is what? It's unstable in all his ways. Or as I always say, you can't live like a goat and die like a sheep. James says, that's hypocrisy. Moving on, because you're looking at me funny. Chapter 5. Declaim spirituality while envying rich. Envying the rich. You know, I'm trying to be spiritual, but boy, I'm, I got my eye over here on Richard Nelson. He's got this, and he's got, boy, I sure like to get that. Now, if I go through unlawful lynch to get it, then I've sinned. Claiming spirituality with an ineffective, insincere prayer life. I know some brother, they say, brother, you know what I'm saying? I've been in the church for 30 years, and I still don't know how to pray. I know two people. Well, three people. Because their prayer was mimicking someone else's. They didn't know how to pray, they said. Isn't that something? 30 some years. Some kids never let go of the Bible. They didn't grow up. James says, you've got to grow. James says, to know to do good is as a do it. It's, it's a sin. It's hypocrisy. But claiming spirituality and failing to restore <coughs> your earned brother. You know, James opens up, he talks about dispersion or dispersion, <coughs> and then he talks about my brethren. A dear form of affection for his brothers and sisters in Christ. He closes with a plea for us to have this affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have erred from the faith, who are lost and will go to a devil's hell lest we go after them. And so when we neglect them or overlook them, what do we do? We sin. It's hypocrisy to claim to be a Christian and let your brother or your sister in Christ over here who is an Aaron member to neglect them, all because, listen, if I don't get anything else across today, let me give you this. I call it the aha relationships. There are three relationships in conflict resolution in the book of James. The first one starts with an A, the addictive relationship. The addictive relationship involves high energy. Folks are bent on doing things regardless of the consequences. They feed on this stuff, you know. For example, in James 3, verses 4, 14, and 15. I want to show you something here. The Bible says, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. That's an addictive relationship. When we choose to have bitter envy, and self-seeking in our hearts to please ourselves. When we give up everything for that one thing, that's an addictive relationship. 
And these first century Christians were guilty of much of this while claiming to be spiritual. So don't forget that. There are other ones we can point out for that also. But an addictive relationship. For example, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, here's another form of an addiction that I've already mentioned about partiality. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? An addictive relationship. These three kinds of relationships, I just mentioned one, are permeated through the book of James. And then James is gonna show us how to close close these, at least two of them down. One of them we need to maintain. So I mentioned what, the addictive? Here's the next one, the apathetic relationship. Can you believe that some Christians have apathetic relationships when it comes to spiritual things? Look in James chapter two. I won't read it all because it's too long and I'll run out of time if I keep this up. In James chapter two, just mark it down, 14 through 26. Faith without works is dead. If my faith is so apathetically set against working and having a purpose, I'm in an apathetic relationship. Does that make sense? I mean, I just want to be a Christian, but I don't want to do all the things that Christians do. You know? Some folks think that when they were baptized, that their baptism was kind of like a lucky charm. You know, I made it now. I don't have to do anything else. No. That's an addictive relationship that says, I want to be a Christian. I mean, an apathetic relationship that says, I want to be a Christian, but I'm not too keen on the rest of this stuff. Y'all just have to do that yourself. I'll be well, I'll just show up. You know, I'll, I'll you know, I, I, I'll try to worship. You know, my worship be a nip tip and a $2 tip. But that's it. I don't want anything else. Well, that violates law placement. Violates the law of peace. Violates the law of perseverance. <laughs> it violates all of the laws that we talked about that <coughs> on the same page with God. You see. So there are people that are in apathetic relationships. And then the one I, I just mentioned, go back to James chapter 5. To me, this is one that really hurts. 19 and 20. <coughs> Brethren, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. It's good when we can do that. Mm -hmm. But when we don't do that, it's because of apathy. An apathetic relationship towards my brother or sister in Christ. Brethren, I don't mean in home, but uh, as an elder, I've seen when we've asked some brethren to go and help us to intervene in the life of, of another brother. And they 
refused to go because they didn't want to have anything to do with that person because they did this and they did that and I just won't forgive them. That's like saying, I wish you would just die and go to hell. That's literally what that's saying. Isn't that right? That's an apathetic relationship. Could be an addictive relationship. You really want that person to go to hell. But these are some of the wars that takes place in the book. And, and, and I want us to understand whether it's addictive or apathetic, you can lose your soul because of it. Now, here's the other one. A healthy relationship. What does a healthy relationship involve? Unlike an apathetic relationship, I didn't explain the apathetic relationship, I don't guess that you can see it. An apathetic relationship is like two people that are, I call them couch potatoes. They're watching something on the TV. And he is at one end and she's at the other end. And he won't move to her and she won't move to him because it hurts to move because there's something going on with them. The only thing that keeps them occupied is what's in front of them. They don't want to move towards each other. It hurts. It's too much pain. It's too much pain for that brother who claims to be spiritual to go to that brother who is lost and it's Aaron, it hurts me to go there because I remember what he did to me. Or I remember what he said to me. And I won't forgive him. Isn't Christianity about forgiveness? Isn't practical Christianity about being dependent upon one another? That's the law of purpose. Isn't Christianity about having peace with one another? That's the law of peace. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, and 26. Isn't Christianity about maintaining our place in the body of Christ? If you're an elbow, be an elbow. If you're an eyebrow, be an eyebrow. If you're a foot, be a foot. If you're a leg, be a leg. <coughs> Don't be a leg and try to be a foot. Don't try to be an eyebrow and be a big toe. Stay in your lane, as the kids would say. Isn't that right? Y'all look at me funny. You're about to smile and do something. I got, I got 17 movies. <laughs> but that's right. You know, I'm an elbow. I work at being an elbow. And if I get out of my place and I try to have an apathetic relationship against you because I want your job and you won't let me have it, that's going to be a problem. The elbow's going to stop what he's doing. And the eyebrows going to try to defend what, what she's doing. And guess what's going to happen to the body? It's going to suffer. Somebody said, you know, you weak with those that weak. But well, what about the body? When one member suffers, what else happens? Does one or two of them suffer? No. All of them suffer. You see, so we're in this together. How can we resolve all of this stuff? Well, we have to have a healthy relationship. And how do you have a healthy relationship? Well, it starts in James chapter 1. And just to help you remember this, because we're talking about practical living. Now, I'm not, I, I don't want to give you something that you may, you may or may not remember. You have to turn this on to, to figure it out. <coughs> James chapter 1 and verse 19. And if I don't get to all these slides, whatever's left, that's okay. We need this. The Bible says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He says, you need a healthy relationship. And here's what it looks like. In practical terms, he says, tune in to God's word. Let every man be swift to hear. All of us are very good at listening, right? <laughs> no. No, we're not. But he says, be swift to hear. It comes from a Greek word that means a measure of speed. We get, in the auto racing world, we get this word called tachometer from that. It's the fastest word in the Bible. Be swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to rap. Tune in. Not just say anything. Don't tune into your agenda. In other words, tune into God's word. You got it? When we tune into God's word, it helps us with the law of peace. It helps us to know our place, helps us to know our purpose, and then we're strong enough to persevere against that old devil. Oh, I like that. Because the devil is stronger than any of us, but when we're together, the devil isn't stronger. <coughs> He's not strong at all, except what we give him. You see? So, and then he says, Be swift to hear, slow to speak. That means to tone down your much speaking against God's word. Because it's his agenda. The hypocrisy comes in when we want to tone, tune into our agenda, and then we turn the volume up on what we want in the church. Well, it ought to be this way. Well, why don't we do it God's way? Isn't that right? God placed us here as it pleased him, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. So why don't we do it God's way? And so we need to tune into God's word. Be swift to hear. Tone down our much speaking against God's agenda or God's word. We'll learn more about that in a minute. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> so, tone down. I remember when I been a while when I was younger and I, my back didn't kill me. I used to drive a 67 Ford Mustang. 289. It was bad, buddy. It was clean. <laughs> the only problem I had with that Mustang was I had an AM radio in it. I didn't have an FM. I don't know about y'all, but where I live, AM radios was, it, you, you couldn't just tune into anything. And so I you, had, you could dial it in and you could try to punch it in, but either way, you're going to miss it if you didn't know exactly where it was. God tells me you need to know exactly where my word is. Whether you punch it in or dial it in, you better have it in so that you can have the faith that will allow you to go to work for God, have a purpose. Is that right? And then if you do that, you can tone down everything that you thought you knew about the word and be able to receive with meekness being grafted word and say to save yourself. Mm. Ooh, I love that. That's all, this is a healthy relationship that I'm trying to explain to you. That's gonna resolve all this conflict we've been talking about. And so, he says that if you can do that, if you can tune in, if you can tone down, guess what? You can sweeten up. Because the wrath of man doesn't work what? The righteousness of God. 
your personal agenda, your Burger King philosophy does not work the righteousness of God. People, if you don't get it any other place, you get it in this verse right here. You can't have it your way. Got to be God's way. I got to smile when I say that because I know some folks don't like that because it's not normal or natural for them. But it's necessary for you and for me. So tune in, tone down, and sweeten up. That's the first part of this healthy relationship. And so when you can tune in, tone down, and sweeten up, now you are in a position, now you are in a position, are you listening? To receive what's necessary for you to deal with conflicts in the body and outside of the body. Go on to the next verse in here. He says in verse 21, here's number one. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. He says the first thing you need to receive is repentance. You need to lay aside all that mess, all of the baggage that you brought into this relationship with God. Just lay it aside. Because I'm going to give you something that will help you to deal with your brother and sister. I'm going to give you something that will help you to deal with your tongue, something to help you to deal with faith, something to help you deal with practical living, something to help you to recover your brother that you thought you hated, but now you understand why you can't hate him. I'm going to give you something that's going to help you to see that you don't need materialism. As I said yesterday, there's plenty of cheese in a mousetrap, but you never see a happy mouse there. Materialism can kill you. You're going to learn this when you receive the spirit of repentance. Anything that stands between you and God, you need to get rid of it. That's number one, repentance. Number two, he says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul. Lay aside all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. That word meekness there comes from a word, I believe that means readiness. It says, be teachable. Or you, you have a ready disposition to let God's word lead you and guide you. Because that's the agenda of your life. We are to speak as the authors of God. You remember that? We're to have the kingdom first. Kingdom first Christians. You remember that? He is to have preeminence in all things. Colossians 1 verse 18. You remember that? If we're not teachable, we can't be reached as Christians to have faith mixed with works. We can't do it because we're not teachable. We have to have a readiness to receive with readiness the word of God. Are you a teachable person? Are you someone that honestly wants to tune in, tone down, and sweeten up with the word of God? He says, in addition to repentance, you have to receive with readiness God's authority. And then he says, this is number three. Man, I only have eight minutes left. Ooh, let me go. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. 
Now, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. In addition to receiving God's implanted word with repentance, with readiness, you have to receive it with the notion of a response. It demands a response out of us. Your faith without works, without responding to faith by working, says your faith is dead. Because faith without works is what? It's dead. Say it again. It's dead. Here's the heart of practical Christianity. And here's the heart where elders are trying to use the shepherd's hook of God's word to help people to see why they must <coughs> appreciate, yea, love the word of God and repent of anything that will keep you or block you away from the word of God to be able to be teachable and to be able to respond accordingly to God's word. This is the key to helping us to maintain a healthy relationship with God. And then, before I run out of time, look in James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It will allow us to receive the wisdom that is from above. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruit without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The answer to conflict in the Lord's body, of course, is peace. The nuts and bolts that bring this peace is having this wisdom <clears throat> that comes from above, whose foundation is tuning in turn down and sweeten up whose walls are repentance readiness being teachable and responding with all your heart mind and soul as a Christian to the glory of God that this church this body of which Christ is the head and through which his spirit dwells by the word can stand up in this world and fight the devil toe-to-toe -to -toe knowing that our victory is with God and not with our own personal agendas. This is the conflict resolution that we need in our lives that's practical <coughs> that we ought to be able to see and practice that will allow us to be firefighters at times but builders all the time. You know, a firefighter, you have him he'll come in in emergencies only. They'll come in, put the fire out, and they'll do a little inspection, and then after that, what do they do? They leave. I don't know about you, I don't want to be a firefighter. Temporary, I want to be a builder. The fire has happened, okay, the fireman's gone. Here comes the brother and sister in Christ. I want to help build your life. I want to help build my life with your life. I don't want to just be there for emergencies. James says, even when our brother errs, chapter 5, 19 and 20, be 
a builder. Be a builder to those who run their mouth. Be a builder to those who try to separate the church. Be a builder to those who are erring because from the standpoint of a, an elder and a leader, we can't be partial to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We practice impartiality by bringing to them God's agenda. Let every man be swift to hear. Hear what God's trying to tell us. Slow to speak. Tone down all of that personal stuff you got going on. And receive with meekness the word of God. And when you do that, you'll sweeten up. And you will see that these are souls at different levels of maturity. Needing the careful, loving hand <coughs> of the rest of the body and especially the leadership. Using the shepherd's hook, not to punish, but to pull them back in line so that everybody and every member can perform their purpose for the glory of God. Amen. Friends, I'll tell you what, you can't beat that kind of conflict resolution. And when you know this is the case, then you put it into practice because James says in verse chapter 4, verse 17, if you don't do that, then you've sinned. Yes, it looks like James is full of hypocrisy, but really it ends on a very pleasant note. When faithful leaders go after their brothers and sisters in Christ to bring back the strand, it's it just from the standpoint of, a, of leadership and an elder, <coughs> It's one of the finest pieces of, of, of literature in the Bible. Because elders love the flock. Elders are invested in the flock. And elders will do what they can to make sure that my mission is not about the emergency. My mission is always about the urgency. The urgency to reach out to every member of my congregation, not to blame, but to reclaim Christ in their lives. I can't do it by myself. I need the shepherd's hook of my other brothers and sisters in Christ, my fellow elders. Prayer and perseverance can help me to have peace with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And hopefully peace with you. I don't know what else is on here. What else is on here? Look at that. Conflict resolution. Possess faith, dependence. Maintain your declaration of dependence on God with, here it is, deal with conflict resolution now. Deal with the perils from without and within. Deal with the pleasures of sin. Deal with prosperity and power and people and pain and politics and all that stuff. How do you do that? Tune in, tone down, and sweeten up. Receive with meekness and graphic word to save, to save your soul. Trust God's authority. It's in the book. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Always be ready to learn from God's word. Once received, one must act on God's <coughs> word and honor all men. The need. Go to work. As I said yesterday, if you were in my class, every member has a secondary purpose in addition to glorifying God. Find your purpose. If you don't know what it is, talk to your elders. The law of purpose says, 
Not only do you belong, you're important. And when you put your your uh, that to work, great things will happen. May God bless you. Thank you.